there was a need for immediate action. This theme of immediacy is something I want you to listen for as we read today's story from the scripture. We find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, and I'll be reading verses 22 to 33. Before I read it, though, I want to recap for you where we've been. Last week, Pastor Amanda preached for us the previous story, verses 13 to 21. And before she read, she had us look all the way back to the beginning of chapter 14, where John the Baptist was beheaded. This, of course, being the cousin of Jesus, the disciples of John bury John's body, and they run off in verse 12 to go tell Jesus of this news. In the next verse, when Jesus hears of this news of John's death, he withdraws to a deserted place. But unfortunately, he was recognized, and the crowds come to him, and having compassion on them, Jesus heals them, and he feeds them. This crowd that consisted of 5,000 men plus women and children. Now this story has come to the close, and we turn our attention to this week's story. And I want you to consider the grief that Jesus is experiencing from the sudden death of his cousin. And I want you to listen for the theme of immediacy. Hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in to the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there, alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was set against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come. Come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lord, with the words of my mouth, and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. Immediately after this miracle picnic, Jesus sends the disciples off in a boat while he dismisses the crowds. Finally, alone, Jesus goes up a mountain to convene with God. In a moment of privacy, I imagine Christ to privately grieve the death John. 
I wonder if the prayer on the mountain here is similar to the agony that we will read about later when Jesus is on the Mount of Olives before his arrest. After all, the author is using this chapter to give us, the reader, a glimpse of Jesus' own unfolding story. The third story in this chapter moves from the interruption of grief and displays of compassion to the displays of power and control. Christ didn't control the crowds coming to interrupt him, but he had control over meeting their needs, physical and spiritual. He then displays control in dispersing them and the control of his own feelings as he delays grief. He tends to the crowds, he tends to the disciples, but then he sets his boundary. He dismisses them all to attend to his physical and spiritual and emotional needs. Here, for the first time in the Gospel of Matthew, we have an image of Christ praying. He is alone, atop a mountain, and night is setting in. Another first here in the Gospel of Matthew is the disciples have been sent out ahead on their own. The twelve are gathered in a boat, and any time our Bible story focuses on a person or a group of people in open water, we should be paying attention. The sea is one of the most chaotic places to be. Like the weather, it is not meant to be controlled by humans. The sea is a source of death, anxiety, mystery, and fear. We should recall the stories of the Hebrews in Exodus walking through a parted sea. Jonah and the storm that led to him being thrown overboard as he tried to flee the presence of God. And we should think about the Leviathan that is lurking below in the depths as spoken about in Job. Matthew continues to share details with us. The the boat is a mile or two offshore. It is caught in the wind and the waves are battering against the hole and it's the darkest part of the night. It's in this chaos that things begin to get interesting. When he had finished praying, Jesus comes down the mountain and he decides he's going to rejoin the disciples. The options on rejoining the 12, I can imagine, were limited. But for Jesus, walking across the water was one of them. Looking back from where they had come from, one of the 12 sees a figure out on the water. Hey guys, come, look at this. What do you think it is? Matthew, not leaving us to guess or holding back, tells us what they thought they were seeing. It's a ghost. They begin to cry out in fear. Yet immediately, Jesus speaks. It is I. Take courage. Do not be afraid. His choice of words connects sentiments Moses heard at the burning bush to the words that Joshua was told when he was called to leadership. The disciples are hearing the voice of God. So Peter acting on behalf of the twelve beckons. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Come. 
Notice that with eyes on Jesus, Peter can do what Jesus is doing. The story doesn't account for how many steps he made it out on the open sea before the chaos moved from the periphery to his focus. In capturing Peter's fear, the author's word choice is carefully crafted and clever as it reads, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. I don't typically consider myself to be one who sees the wind. Instead, we see what the wind does to the world around us. Peter sees the waves crashing and the mist swirling. Peter sees the chaos and he begins to slip under the surface, taking his eyes off of the calm presence brought by the presence of Jesus. Lord, save me, Peter cries, and immediately Jesus reaches out and catches him. Immediately, Jesus is there. Amanda's story this morning to the children of standing on the edge of the pool, preparing to jump in and being encouraged by those around us reminded me of a story from my own teen years. My father had a separate business that he would do on the weekends and I would help him frequently and he had a portable rock wall that was 24 feet tall and we'd take it to birthday parties and festivals and a part of my duties were to help harness climbers and prepare them to climb the wall. This wall was constructed with a automatic belay system. So that meant all you had to do was lean back and hold on to the rope in front of you and it would gently let you down. Part of my extra duties as kids were climbing was to frequently look up and check on the status of our climbers and make sure that they were continuing up and not panicking. Because again, as many of you are parents, you may have had a child who looks at something to climb and the way up is so much simpler and less frightening than the way down. And so a protocol began to take shape when we would see children halfway to three quarters up the wall frozen. Not able to go up, not able to come down. We'd sit at the bottom of the wall Hey, it's okay, just let go, it'll let you down. Come to us, we promise you won't fall. Sometimes it worked. Other times we had to take the next step, which meant I would have to harness up, climb up next to the child, get up right next to them. Say, hey, I'm going to help you get down from here. I need you to trust me. All you have to do is grab onto my rope right here, and I will ride down with you. Sometimes after a little coaxing, they said, I don't need you, and they would drop themselves. And of course, they would float to the bottom, and other times, they would grab onto me, and we'd let go of the wall together, and we would ride back down, and then we would celebrate just the feat of how high we climbed on the wall together. When was the last time you found yourself on the edge of something unsure if you should take the next step or jump into what is awaiting you? When was the time that you felt frozen in the moment 
and didn't know if you should keep climbing or if it was time to back away and you didn't know if there was anyone next to you saying it's going to be okay. We'll catch you. When was the last time you cried out like Peter? Lord, save me. Has it happened in this season of grief? This season of sickness and uncertainty? Have you cried out in the chaos that surrounds you? Every new conversation that I have, I'm becoming more and more aware of the personal stories of chaos that surround us all. I'm not sure of anyone who's having a good 2020. Not only are we dealing with a pandemic, but we all have our own personal stories of loss and disappointment. From family deaths to lost jobs, delayed celebrations and rites of passage that have been canceled or delayed. We are all being pushed to our breaking points. We're all tempted to put forth a brave face, pretending that we can hold it all together. We are tempted to cry it out, Lord, bring back normal. Over and above the three words, Lord, save me. But take courage, Christians. Do not be afraid, church. Be encouraged that Christ himself has felt lost too. Christ too has felt grief. Christ too has lived through uncertainty. And Christ is saying to us now, come. Come to me, my child. Come with your pain, your anxiety. Come with your depression, your grief, your questions. Come with it all and know that when you buckle under the weight of it all, Christ will be there to catch you. Reflecting on this passage, N.T. Wright says in his commentary, the moment when we are most strongly tempted to give up is probably the moment when help is, if only we knew it, just a step away. Christ is our encourager, giving us hope and supporting us when we call out to him. And when we take that jump, when we continue to climb or to jump back, or when we get back in the boat, Christ will be there. And when we gather together with our community and tell of the things that Christ has done to save us, we will join the disciples in worship proclaiming that Jesus truly is the Son of God. Let us pray. Lord, save us. That is our prayer. That is our call. That is our cry. And I ask this morning that our eyes would be open to see that you are on the water with us not a ghost, not a figment of our imagination. You are not far off on your own, leaving us behind. But whenever we cry out immediately, you will be there. So come, Lord, save us. Amen.